staring at the door. I know it's over cause my feet have hit the cold floor. Check my reflection, I ain't feeling what I see. It's no mystery. Whatever happened to a passion I can live for? What became of the flame that made me feel more? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Takeaway uh, bonus episode um, coming in at you at the middle of the week. And I'm going to kind of redo slash have a new session with a special guest. Um, There was some in and out of the last recording we did, so we're going to take a go at it again. But we're going to talk about something different. We kind of get down to some tough questions. And I'm excited to have the special guest on, uh, my best friend, Lindsay is going to join us, so let's give her a call. Hello. Hey, Lindsay. Hi. So, um, you're on, by the way. Um, So, today, we are going to be doing some... uh, questions i sent you those questions um and answering them uh in the best of our ability and just uh, i want this session to kind of just be a chat you know nothing too serious um but i want to uh kind of listeners get to know you and your story and uh just kind of have fun with it um so kind of tell us about you uh Like what specifically, like back before I had children or about me as a whole? Well, yeah, there is a very distinct personality shift <laughs> before children and after children. Yeah. You know, um, I guess just to kind of start off for you, I was actually, I took myself through a time portal the other day um, because I was looking at our pictures from camp and... Jeez. From, from YouTube? Yeah. And oh my gosh. And you know, I, I mean I look like just I look like a big baby. But, you know, I just I I was looking at those and wow. Um you know, just back in that time I, I was thinking about it just kinda how I felt back then. And you know, honestly, and I say this with all serious, it was the first time I really felt normal. Um yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of friends um, growing up. I was sheltered a lot. And going to camp that, that summer and meeting you and everybody else, and um, I felt really normal. And then it was just kind of like taken away really quickly um, because I was just like, like I said, I was isolated a lot. So, um, and, and during that time, I guess you could just go back to that time in life. You know, what, what were – you know, what were your thoughts? What were you kind of going through as, as you, you know, you know, as teenagers were kind of discovering ourselves? What were you discovering about yourself at that time? Um, I was discovering a lot about myself at that point. Uh, we were, what, 13, 14? Oh, gosh. gosh. I don't even know how old I was now. Uh, it's like 2013. It's t- 10 years ago. So, uh, yeah, I was 14 years old. Yeah. I was uh, actually right at the beginning of going through a lot of rough things with my parents, and um, 
they were in a position where they had just kind of gotten their first position within a church after getting their pastoral licenses. And um, they went from being these super cool, super understanding parents to we have to be super strict and everything has to be done by like this code and this list. Otherwise people are going to think that we're not good enough to be pastors. And that reflected a lot on their parenting. Mm. And um, my mom and my dad had been my best friends and and all of a sudden they weren't. Wow. And then because I was a pastor's kid, now all of a sudden it was really hard for me to make friends because these kids are just expecting me to either be a goody two-shoes or expecting that I'm going to go running to mommy and daddy and tattle on them for all the stuff that they're doing that they're, you know, that isn't godly or whatever. You're expected to, like, walk on water, basically. And you know. so it was really, really hard for me to make friends. And so I was a loner a bunch of the time. And um, then as, you know, teenagers do and kids do, and kids are just nasty a lot of the time, they started making up rumors about me. Mm. And you know how the rumor train goes. If you acknowledge any of it, it just gets worse. Yeah. So I just ignored it. I, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody because I was like, if it's given any attention, it's just going to get worse. And But one of the rumors circulated, and at first it was minor things. I don't even really remember. And then it started getting worse that I was not actually a goody two shoes that I was out partying and stuff with, which at this point I hadn't been doing. And then it was very specific that I was sleeping around. And um, then it got to one where some girl said that I had messaged her and stated that I'd slept with a specific boy and that I was pregnant with his kid. Mm. And at this point, I, I hadn't done any of that. And so this rumor got told to a parent who went and told my parents. And they just freaked out on me. And I, I ended up, I was grounded for like eight months. I wasn't allowed to go to youth group anymore. Um, they made me apologize in front of the youth group for making up these lies when I was never the person that stated any of these rumors. And um, that is also when I started being um, a lot more, things got a lot rougher at home and to the point of I would even call it abuse. Hmm. It started off as verbal and then it became kind of more mental and emotional and eventually became physical. It's just so scary how that just kind of trickles down, you know, just. Yeah, I, yeah I, it does. And it's nuts. And all because of a rumor that I had nothing to do with, that I had no power to stop. Hmm. And, you know, I, but these, because of the fact that it was given attention, rumors just kept going, even though I was no longer going to youth group. And my parents kept hearing the new rumors kept hearing of them and I'd get in trouble for this new rumor again. 
and eventually um i was like you know what i already know what the punishment is for doing these things i might as well just go ahead and go do them and the crazy thing is, is it was like within a year, six months to a year of us going to that camp that everything was already at that downhill spot for me. We went to camp and I was already going through a bunch of crap with my parents pulling away from me. And then within six months, that rumor, that final rumor had happened that got me into all that trouble. And within six months of that my parents had already escalated to the point of physical abuse. Wow. You know, it's so crazy. I was kind of, I was walking through this door when I went to camp. It was my first taste of freedom. And I kind of walked into this door of so much opportunity. And here you were, you know, you were kind of enduring your own kind of own personal hell. And you, I mean, you did a great job of, you know, hiding it um, from, you know, us. You know, I had no idea, and I'm not sure at that age what we could do. But I know one thing for sure that was 100% positive is that we were there for each other. Um, Always. You know, I never got a phone call from anybody. And when I started going to that church, uh, you would call me, Aaron would call me, uh, Tyler would call me, and, you know, Josh, our, our pastor, would call me. I never received a phone call. You know, I never, ever felt like anybody cared. And we had a lot of common, uh, all of us did, and you and I did uh, with horses. And I think that really grounded us, you know, being able to have that, uh, you know, equine uh, activity. Uh, it really kind of grounded us and it, it gave us something to kind of connect with you know, on common ground. And it's something we still to this day, and I, I can't believe it, you know, 13 years later, um, you know, here we are telling our story. And I think we still have a lot to learn. You know, I don't think we're out of the gateway yet. You know, we're still really young. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy. Just going through something so young, just shapes and shifts your worldview. Yeah. You know, you have, t- you have two kids now and I mean, I, you're doing a great job uh, of raising them and you can take those experiences that you learned from your parents and, and you know, you now know what not to do. You know, right. you want to be that safe zone for your kids. And um, I mean, I, I think it's great. I, I, I really do. And it's it sucks. You know, I kind of kick myself because we talk about our past a lot and we talk about what we went through. And I kick myself because I wasn't aware um, of what you were going through. And, um, you know, I wish I was kind of a bit more mature uh, back then to kind of help and guide you through it. Um, because I was kind of going through that myself. You know, I, I, I found this normalcy and then I go back home and it would be like, okay, you're back in jail. You know, you're back, you're, you're, you know, you're back in prison now and we're going to question everything you do say or who you talk to. You know, I wasn't allowed to talk to girls. I, I wasn't allowed to communicate with the outside world. And I was like, where is this coming from? Like, how, how are you going to let me out for five minutes and you're going to keep me in for five years. What it feels like, you know, so right. it's just, it's a, it's a crazy dynamic shift. It really messes with you mentally. It um, really does. So. Uh, thank you, Charlie. If you could, if you could pick a specific moment in your life 
um, to adjust something, to, to change, do you have a specific moment that you remember or can go back to? You know, there's a lot of, I've actually thought about this a lot before, before you'd even send me those specific questions. And, you know, I, there's lots of things I can think back to that, um, like that if I could go back and change it, I would, but it's so hard to answer that when a couple of those decisions that I would go back and change led me to where I am now. And a couple of them specifically gave me my, my two beautiful kids. And you know, if I could go back to, um, honestly, I think when I was about 15 or so, I, um, I had just kind of started really going off the deep end and partying and whatever else. And is one of the first times that I left home. I think that I really think that if I could go back and change it to where I hadn't left home and that I had actually tried to sit down and had a conversation with specifically my father and not my mom and told him how I was feeling and what was going on in my head, that things might have been quite a bit different. Because mm. um, a lot of the negative things that I experienced from my parents stemmed from my mother. Just a second. Yeah, what? You're good. No, you can't have a candy. It's late at night. No, you're not having my candy. No, you can't have them. It's bedtime. I'm sorry. Come on. I'll go with you. I'll tuck you in. Let's go. I know. It's rough being three. Where is your cup? It's rough. There you go, dude. No, you can't have candy. I love you very much. Good night. Um, anyway, back to what I was saying. A lot of the negative stuff that I experienced from my parents stemmed from my mother. And um, she would get really angry with me because we wouldn't agree with on something. We wouldn't agree on something and she would just blow it out of her portion. Like, I wasn't allowed to have any kind of emotional response to anything. And if I did, then I automatically had an attitude and she would just blow it out of her portion. And then she'd go and tell my dad. And then my dad was responsible for doing something about it. Did you ever I notice that pattern? Because it happened in my home, too, where 
they say that I was always told was, why are you always turning your dad or why are you always turning your, you know, dad against me and blah, blah, blah. And then the reality, it's like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. You're the one blowing it out of proportion and you're forcing him to respond in a appropriate manner that you think is appropriate. And that's what's causing the division. I'm not driving a wedge in between anybody. Exactly. And because you don't want to face your own demons, you'd rather put it off on the adolescent, you know, mm-hmm. because you don't know any better. They, you kind of, they, <laughs> you have an idea of, well, you're young, you don't know. It's like, we're, well, we're not stupid, <laughs> you know, exactly. you know, we're, 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 we're teenagers. We're, we're not stupid. <laughs> we get it. And, and I, I felt like it was always like an outsmarting game in, in my family. Yeah, it, you know? it really was. Well, it became that for me because before everything, I had always been very open and honest with my parents. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't allowed to do anything bad. And then I wasn't, then it went from, I wasn't allowed to do anything. I wasn't allowed to talk to boys. I wasn't allowed to go to my mom when I started noticing that I was attracted to somebody, you know? When that became a thing all of a sudden, you know, out of the blue, I wasn't allowed to go to my mom and talk to her about it. I didn't, couldn't go to my dad and talk to him about it because that's just weird. And, you know, my teenage brain was like, we can't talk to dad about that. We got to talk to mom. But I couldn't talk to mom about that. Mm. And um, it just like it, it tumbled. It went from one little thing and it just tumbled into this huge, messy spider web of that if you shake this little tiny strand over here, the whole freaking thing rattles. Yeah. You know, and it could be the tiniest little strand, but it affects the whole thing. You know, it borderline, it, it kind of borderlined with, you know, on that. It is, what? it's just the, that's a lot of emotional stress to put on somebody. You know, it really, you, you can't, you can't expect them to take responsibility for everything, you know? And, and I think as parents at the way we had it was just, there was a lot, not a lot of responsibility, you know, exactly. taken. It was all, well, it's you, it's you, it's you. Now I was adopted and which is crazy because you think in your case, um, you know, you you weren't adopted. You, you know, uh, it was biological you think you kind of have it a little bit easier because your blood, I was adopted and I, I, I watched a lot of temporary relationships go in and out of our home. My, my adoptive mom would adopt children and give them away because she couldn't handle it. And she did that with three different families. Um, so I saw three, well, four, actually four different kids go in and out of my life at a very young age. And I had no idea what happened. Um, and that, that crazy. yeah, I remember one time we adopted two brothers from Israel or no, Haiti, we, we adopted two brothers from Haiti and they were a handful. And I remember going to this really rich family's house they had a big house. We hung out with them all day and we left, but we didn't take my brother with me. And I remember asking them, I said, Hey, what happened to my brother? And it was just like, Oh, they're going to stay here for a while. Um, so I saw a lot of that and and it's so effective and it's so heavy because you're asking yourself, 
am I next? Exactly. You know, it, yeah. I, I already struggle with a lot of abandonment issues, and I, I like to say I overcome quite a bit of them uh, down the road. But back then, my God, it was like, you know, when you do stuff like that, you you question yourself. You're like, gee, is this no- is this normal? Is if this is normal? Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't want any of this. <laughs> if this is if this is how this goes. If this is how this whole parenting this relationship is if we don't if it doesn't work out we give them away i don't want to have anything to do with it and i realize that's not love that's just if it's convenient for you yeah it is you know exactly love isn't a convenience love is a choice um and i i had to shift my whole mindset of that on my own uh clearly i had god with me and clearly i had to follow the voice of the holy spirit but in human fashion, I was on my own having to shift that dynamic to think that's not the way you do it. This is the way you do it. And it settled, it settled a fear in me that I never dreamed that I would have. Um, you know, being adopted comes with a lot of just strings. Um, and it, it's kind of heavier and, and it's harder on your, you know, uh, when your parents aren't equipped, you know, to to handle that sort of situation, because it's not just oh, it's my bio child, because it's not. So you gotta be able to handle all the questions and the thousands of questions and the thousands of doubts and the who's my real parents and this and that. And my parents weren't equipped with that. And then then add on those adolescent years that you and I are talking about. Add those on top of all that baggage. You got yourself you, you a, a literal whirlwind. Uh, of just you know emotional uh drama and it was nothing but that in my family um and and yeah and so i mean if i had to go back to answer the question here on my end um my dad used to uh every morning when i was around 17 years old my dad every morning would give me a hug and it was the first thing he'd do and you know, on so many occasions, I would push away from that hug. And it was more than just a hug. It was kind of like a, um, I think he was trying to make a statement, you know, I'm here for you if you ever need anything, you're ever going through anything. And I, I chose to push that away. Not a lot of people know that. Um, but I would push away that hug because I um, I have a, a neat, kind of a, uh, not a resentment, I should, I guess it's a, a least form of resentment towards men um, in a relationship because of my dad. And whenever he would try, he wouldn't, you know, it would kind of be like a half thing, you know? And I remember those times though, when he did try to make effort, I didn't meet him halfway. And I guess if I can make that one adjust, adjustment in my life, maybe I could have a little bit stronger relationship with my dad. Um, because I know he was trying and instead of embracing all that and embracing those, that abandonment issue and facing it head on and running to him, I ran the opposite way instead of my parents because I just had a hard time trusting them. So the hug represented more that it was representative. Let try to trust me, you know, give me a chance, trust me with what you have. And instead of doing that, I was scared, and I, I chose my fear over that. So, 
Yeah. Uh, long story short for mine, I really think that if... I, I finally sat down and talked to my dad about everything about six months ago. And the only thing that he could say is, why didn't you come to me? Why didn't you talk to me? Which really made me think about it. And I was just... I don't know why I didn't. I felt think that I felt like I was going to get pushed away if I did. And uh, but I really, really, truly believe that if I had gone to my dad and had actually told him how I was feeling and had pushed for him to to listen and to try to understand the things that I was feeling, that he would have made an effort to help Mm. my mom absolutely not she wouldn't have done anything to like to this day i tried talking to her so that we could just kind of clear the air about some stuff and so that i could finish healing and to this day she still it's always uh, that I was never uh, grateful. It mm. always comes back to that I'm not grateful and I'm not recognizing the things that she did do mm. and that it wasn't that bad. And so I don't know that I'm ever going to get that the closure that I want from that side of things. But I really do believe that if I had gone to my dad and talked to him, instead of being stubborn and allowing myself to just get angry and bottle it up, that things could have been somewhat different. Hmm. But it also didn't help that I had always been told, because I've always had a temper, as you are aware. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've always been told that basically emotions were bad, that we needed to hide those that we needed to hide our emotions and to not let them get the better of us. Now, that was coming from my dad. And he had a small point, you know, we shouldn't let emotions dictate our lives. We shouldn't allow it to rule us. But not that emotions were bad. And so I never really learned how to process my emotions correctly. I would just like shove them to the side. Yeah. And so when things that I didn't enjoy happened, the only emotion I, emotion I allowed myself to fear feel was anger. But I wasn't allowed to show that anchor. Otherwise, my mom would think that I'd have I had an attitude and I'd get in trouble. Processing emotions and showing emotions. It's still something I struggle with. Something that I've even noticed, like with my parenting, like I'll get mad fast and I'll want to react out of anger. Yeah. And I have to catch myself or there's even sometimes where I will get so irritated because they are not responding the way I want them to. And I'll get, I'll, I'll start going, well, I wouldn't have done that when I was a kid. If I'd done that, I would have been in so much trouble. And because I knew I was going to get in trouble, I'd never have done that. 
which made me go, I don't want them to have that kind of relationship with me, though. Mm. You know? Because I had, with my parents, I do genuinely love them now. But I had a relationship of fear with them. And it's, it has, I've been having to, like, relearn my own personality and reteach myself how to process things correctly so that I don't throw that that same trauma right back onto my own kids. That is, that is the goal there. Um, I kind of, I want to transition. That was really good, by the way. Um, I want to transition just a little bit of a fun question here. Cause I think, I think I can guess the answer, but <laughs> I don't think I can guess it. What is, uh, what uh, was your first impression of meeting me? <laughs> I honestly, I can't even remember the when I first met you. My earliest thing that I remember, you remember when I gave that like little miniature sermon? You know what? I, I think do. that's the first time I <laughs> met you. Is that the first time I met you? Yeah, and I, I remember afterwards, we sat out in the picnic table right outside the youth building and we sat and talked. Um, and it was the first time I really got to sit down and get to know you. And I got to know your brother. And they say, like, like spirits attract. And I think because of the tension we were facing in our separate homes, we kind of brought that energy and it, it collided. In yeah. a, in a, and it exploded in a, in a great way. In a sense, I think we knew each other um, before we even knew each other. Because yeah. our, our parents were alike in so many freaking ways. It's scary. Um, yeah, it's, it it, it, <laughs> I mean, I, I read the writing on the wall real quick when I met your parents. I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't good. This is not good. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, meeting you um, and, and getting to know you. And again, we, you know, we rode in the rodeo together. Um, we, we just kind of collided. And uh, in a, in a, not in a way of just like straight up attraction in that sense. It was a it was a spiritual attraction, I think. Um, yeah. You know, it was a real heart to heart. And I mean, I'll say it to this day. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're two peas in a pod. You know, <laughs> I mean, we really are. And, and, and we really are. Um, you know, I consider you a sister all the way. Um, and I think it started then because just. You know, it, when you're going through something similar, you can really see it on somebody. And in, and believe it or not, you are not hard to read. Um, it it kind of reads uh, on your face. Uh, I didn't know if you know, knew this. Um, oh, no, I had no idea at all. <laughs> no idea. It, it reads on your face. And, you know, a lot of people probably saw you as, oh, who's that? You know, why she's so miserable looking. And when I saw you, I saw someone who was going through stuff and um and i, I really i know uh, i really look back at those times and uh i mean i can't say it enough i just i wish i could get them back just so you know maybe just maybe we could give each other a little bit more guidance to get through just some of the stuff we were going through um but no, I mean, my, my first impression with you was just, you know, you were going through a lot and you needed a friend. And, um, you know, I tried to be there as much as I could, as possibly as I could at that time. 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I tell you this, you know, in private, but I'm, I'm going to tell you this, you know, on, on here on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I'm, I am really sorry you went through a lot of stuff. And, you know, uh, you know, nobody deserves that, especially not from, you know, their parents. And it just, it blows my mind just how many, how many other, you know, young people are like us, like we were going through stuff like that, you know, and I wish I could just be like, sit them down and just go, you know, you know, give them a big hug and just tell them, you know, it's going to be okay, you know, and it's just crazy. We, I, I didn't really have anybody like that until I met everybody. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anybody that could share that struggle with. And because when I met you, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. This isn't normal. Like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad, you know, I'm not the only one who is getting embarrassed and shamed in front of <laughs> human, other human beings, you know? So, yeah. um, but gosh, we had so much fun. Um I did. We, we had a great time. You know, one of the memories I have, and I think you might remember this, is on, I think it was our second to last night or our last night at camp, we sat around by the pond out there. We had a big bonfire. And we yes. sat out there, and we, we, we sang, we shared stories, and we inhaled so much smoke. Um, and, and had, <laughs> we just had, you know what, we just had the, dang it's time out there you know it's just nobody it you know we're awesome. never gonna have it again we re- and, and i um i think that was like my favorite memory of camp was just sitting around getting to know everybody's story getting to know everybody and, and being able to be a kid for once and um and that's that's what i want for my kids is to be kids you know and I didn't have a lot of it, and that was my first taste of freedom. Um, but that 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 memory, I really, I really, really do think about it a lot. And every time I'm in a place of vulnerability, um, I go back to that moment because I think about how are you feeling in that moment? How can you feel like that today? Just let your guard down. Feel free. And, you know, when I ever I talk to you, that's why I talk to you so much, because every time I talk to you, I go back to that moment around that campfire with everybody else. And I feel vulnerable. I feel free. And I feel like a 14 year old kid and a 24 year old mountain man bearded body, you know. (laughs) Um, And I I really just think about, you know, it just that was a a beautiful time. It was. It was beautiful. Um, what, what memory from, I do have another memory from camp. Oh yeah. What is it? <laughs> you remember when we played uh, uh, baseball on that tarp and they had yeah, the I... blasted idea to wet the tarp? Mm-hmm. You want to know why I remember it? Cause I had a concussion that day. You had, you got a concussion and I <laughs> did something to my neck. I hurt my neck and my shoulder so bad I could barely move and I just wanted to cry i felt like i was dying i didn't get any freaking sleep that night i was in so much pain your dad i hold this against your dad you can tell him (laughs) your dad was there playing with us 
And I, I was sliding into home base and I slipped and I hit the ground head first. And then your dad called it off. I was like, wow, that, that, that's just great. You waited till I almost had to go to the hospital for concussion from where you said this wasn't a good idea. That's, that's just great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Honestly, my favorite, I have two, two pretty good memories from, I can't, I can't decide which one is my favorite, but I've always remembered that night around the bonfire as probably being my favorite from camp. And then, um, even though you've, you freaking dropped me. Oh, yes. I was going to wait and see if you bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up because I know it's a sore subject. (laughs) (laughs) Pun pun intended. (laughs) I'll never forget. Mom had those, whatever they were, uh, those friends of hers that were professional dancers come and give the whole youth group dance lessons. And then we had a a dance night, swing dancing and square dancing and um, line dancing and all that other stuff. And I was having just a, a grand old time dancing with my best friend and just having fun. And then you freaking dropped me. You were I was, heavy. I was, <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear? I'm struggling to talk nice to you right now. <laughs> I was 100 pounds. You were over 100 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know how hard it is to dip somebody that's heavier than you? <laughs> I was so mad at you, though. <laughs> but it was so funny. I, I still had such a good time that I was like, that. Daniel. <laughs> Never, never dancing with me again. And I don't think I ever did. <laughs> you had trust issues and I gave them to you. You know, I still don't really like dancing because of that. <laughs> I, I'll, go, I'll go line dance and swing dance. But the set, like my, bro- my brother is amazing. He's an amazing dancer. But like we'll go, there's been a couple times where we've gone to to go dancing or something like that and um but i still won't let anybody try to dip me will not let them the second that it starts like it seems like that might happen i stiffen up so bad and i'm just like nope it's amazing 13 years one 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 mistake and 13 years later it still (laughs) follows me around let it go let it go <laughs> oh my gosh you know because of because of learning how to two-step i dominated 4-h uh at our, our dance night and every time the song cotton eye joe comes on i literally my heart skips a beat and i just i'm just like this is my jam <laughs> I love it so much. like i'm like oh yeah this is it <laughs> um uh. What is it, dog? So, one and one of the questions I kind of, kind of veers off into back into serious mode. 
what um what sets your definition of success from others from mothers no from others not mothers I thought it was like from mothers. I was like, oh God. I don't know because I don't feel successful. <laughs> well, let, let it, I mean, it's, it's really honestly, when I typed that question out, I think I was asking myself more than I was asking, looking to ask someone else because it, it's like a chewing gum for your, your mind, really. If that's the kind of question yeah. it is. You know, I, I, throughout, throughout growing up, you know, I've had a lot of dreams and aspirations and success mm -hmm. is a, is a really, it's a funny word. And it's kind of a loose word that's thrown around. I feel like, because I you know, as you know, me, I kind of see every single step, you know, as a, as a success. Um, and I think sometimes like life's is so rushed, you know, life is so much, it's, it's the next hour, the next second, the next time, you know, I get up for work, the next, the next check in my, you know, bank, it's, to me, my my own personal build of that that definition is the fact that I've been married for six years. You know, I got married young, um, and I've been married for six years now. Um, you know, I, I'm on my own. I was on my own at 17 years old, and I, I didn't get in trouble, you know, didn't end up somewhere I shouldn't have been. You know, I finished high school. And I really do, truly do have a success story at a young age. And I, I kind of sometimes fail myself to look at it that way because I'm not driving the nice car. I don't have the plaques on the wall, you know, and. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, right. Catch up, Daniel. But no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, my mother-in-law and, and I've talked to you about this and, yeah. um, you know, my mother-in-law is kind of pushy on that subject. It's like, oh, when I first showed up, it was about, you know, oh, you know, you're not going to make enough money and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I didn't get into my dream college. I didn't get into my dream anything. But yep. this this podcast uh, has been on my heart and have been a dream for the last couple of years. And I didn't want to do it because I was scared and I wasn't sure it was the right time. And then I had, you know, I had you, I had Brenda, I had Nick in my corner. Um, and I really felt confident. And I think me getting my confidence back after everything that I've been through is the greatest success um, for me personally, because I came with no confidence. I was, you know, and, and you know that. Um, yeah. and I'm slowly starting to build it because I'm starting to navigate and push myself in the direction of stop looking at yourself as, you know, someone who didn't meet expectations, start looking at yourself as someone who has and is, um, and I guess on that note, I, I guess for just listeners too, if you're measuring success by your accomplishment stick, you know, it's not gonna work. No, it's not. That'll never work. Um, I, I mean, cause I mean, look, look, look at you. Let's get off of me for a second and look at you. I mean, with everything you've told us since the beginning of this session, 
I mean, holy cow. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you come a long way and, and we talk about all of our good memories and, and, and all the things we went through, you know, you have two wonderful kids, you know, you're married and you, you know, you're standing on your own two feet. Um, even though you are short, uh, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, in, in all serious, um, you know, just your, you, your success story, you know, I, I'm a success story, you know, Brenda's a success story, just, you know, she's a success story because she met me, lucky her, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. You know, um, but, you know, uh, Brenda, if you're listening, I do love you though. Um, but you know, so I guess what me is I've had to build that definition and it didn't happen overnight. Um, because you have, it's a choice to look at it that way, you know, um, it's a choice to look at your life in that aspect. I mean, you probably, if you rewound the clocks back to when you were younger, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it, we could pinpoint parts of your life that you were successful and you were, you know, accomplishing something. Um, I mean, I was, I was successful. I poured all of my ambition and all of my, my drive into, to my love for, for um, horses. Yeah. And I was very successful in that. I had a very good career going for me very young. I graduated high school early. I, you know, everything I had wanted and what I thought was what I wanted to be successful or what I thought was success was already well on its way. Um, but emotionally, I was still nowhere near where I am now today. Right. I was still an emotional train wreck. And, you know, after everything that happened then and then everything that happened with um, my career getting ripped out from under my feet and everything else with having my kids as young as I did, I had to relearn what success looks like to me. And, like, today, success is, um, a, you know, a roof over my kids' heads and food in their bellies and their little smile. It's getting through a day without uh, pulling my hair out and uh, just knowing that they're happy and healthy and getting to hear their little laughs. And Charlie's about to be three at the end of this month. And he started doing this thing where he'll tell me all the time that I'm the best and that he loves me. And just hearing the love pour out of him back into me that I've poured into him since he was born. And I, I'm always speaking words of affirmation to them and telling them that I'm proud of them and that they're amazing and that they're brilliant and that they're going to go far and that I am supportive of them and everything else, which they might not totally understand all that at this point, but they turn it back around and tell me the exact same thing. And he's like, I love you, mommy. You're the best. And right now he says, you're the best cook. You're the best cook, mom, all the time. And he has no idea what that means. But he, he is just speaking that positivity back into me that I'm speaking to him all the time. 
and seeing that I've made such the two happy, healthy little boys and that they're so emotionally okay that they can just pour positivity back into me. That's success to me. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, I could agree more with that. That that's just, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. And I wish like so many more people would kind of measure it by that, you know, um, and, uh, just, you know, and like me and, and I, I'm struggling with that portion of it currently with the whole, um, uh, you know, with losing Alex and, uh, I, I'm just now starting to properly kind of dissect all those things. Charlie, stop it. Um, with his loss. And I realized that I didn't properly grieve it for the last five years. And now, you know, this past week, I, I've kind of made a decision that I'm going to finally face this. And if that means I have to go start over again, um, day one, that's better than not doing it at all. So, you know, so it's, for me, it's like an everyday process, but I, I, I am, I am very proud of myself for that. I'm proud of you. So. And, you know, and I want other our listeners is that you know we're we're proud of you. We both are proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know, to our listeners, um, you know, take it everything day by day, and you know, know that you know you are loved, and, and you know God loves you. I love you, and there are people out that love you, and we you know care and are in your corner. Um, <clears throat> well, this has been awesome, and thank you so much for doing this again. Um, of course. Uh, it's always great to hear you talk about your life. And um, I'm glad you had the opportunity to kind of share that that part of you. Um, and, you know, not a lot of people are willing to kind of open up like that, but I'm glad you were. And I'm sure you did help somebody hearing your story. Um, we're going to have to have you back on again to kind of discuss how we're going to break you and let other people dance with you again down the road <laughs> and maybe that they won't drop you. So uh, we'll have to have a, um, you know, I don't like dancing anonymous session for you. <laughs> I think that will gain a lot of listeners. You'll be doing me a favor. Oh I'll get a lot of followers through that one. I think go see the title of that and go, Whoa, I want to listen to this one. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm I'm down. <laughs> um, hey, just to end everything, I guess. Uh, we're getting our a new Quiet Place movie. We love those movies. Oh my gosh, I'm so and... excited! I see, I saw you reacting <laughs> to that, and I, I was did the this <laughs> little tiniest schoolgirl squeal. <laughs> We like my, our. My uh, five-year-old looked at me like I had lost my mind. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> I we like our scary movies, especially our quiet place movies. So I am really excited about that. Um, I'm pumped. I want so everybody excited. else to know that you do make the best tater tot tater tot casserole too. I think that's important <laughs> to add that to this session too. My tater tot casserole is pretty great. And your uh, chicken alfredo. The Alfredo or the Cajun pasta? Which Cajun one? pasta. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, everything except for the noodles is from scratch. So. You don't I make the noodles it, too? 
No, I don't because I, I know. I, I, so terrible of me. If I could make the noodles, honestly, I probably would. But then again, at the same time, probably not because lazy. Because you came on the podcast twice already, I'll come over and make my biscuits and gravy for you. How's that? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I find that's pretty even. <laughs> is it? It's is pretty it? even. I have to do it one more time to get you to come make that because. <laughs> Will you? Are you offering? Because I won't do it. <laughs> I'll wait. Uh, yes, you definitely need to come make your biscuits and gravy because I've been wanting them, wanting it for a while. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know, and I know Brenda misses it, too. She just had to take off. I know, I know. Two hours away. Well, I will be down there to visit you sometime again in the near future when I'm old and gray. You better not be old and gray. All right, well, uh, I'm going to close this. Do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to say to close this out, or? Um... I just definitely think that uh, it needs to be reiterated again that success success should not be measured by your accomplishments, that it should be measured by by your happiness. Well, you heard it, folks. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Stop (laughs) looking at your plaques on the wall and start looking at what you're producing, what fruit you're producing. So... That's it. <laughs> I think that sums it up. Thank you, Lindsay, for doing this, and I uh, hope you have a good night. And I will obviously talk to you again very, very soon. <laughs> uh, obviously. <laughs> well, You're very welcome. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for listening in. That um, is going to be a wrap for me, and I hope you guys learned something. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, bonus episode of dinner table talk uh we'll be definitely doing one down the road very soon uh get ready my next session we'll have my best friend nick on uh we'll be going to be talking about not just super bowl because it's super bowl weekend this weekend but we're going to be talking about all things about brotherhood and our friendship and i guarantee you you're gonna get a few laughs cackles cries out of him and he's because he's the coolest person in the world and i can't wait for that but until then guys have a great night I love you. Thank you for all the support. Go like and follow and rate um, and go follow TikTok, Instagram, and the Facebook page that is now up, The Takeaway, and I will see you on the next round. I love you guys so much. Have a good night.